one of the things we have to do is we have to let go of this idea that what other people do can can destroy who I am. Welcome to the Shepherd Heart of Leader podcast, where we explore topics that help strengthen your ability to care for those under your leadership. Now, last episode, Pastor Nate talked with Kevin Ramsby all about to fight to forgive, a fight to forgive. And I just felt like we need to go a little deeper on that topic. So lean into this conversation as we talk about forgiveness, part two. Part two. Part Here two. We go. All right, Nate. Mm-hmm. Forgiveness. Sometimes uh, forgiveness can feel like, you know, last last episode you interviewed Kevin Ramsby mm-hmm. and he had quite a traumatic experience that mm-hmm. he had to fight to forgive. Um, how did that interview impact you or what's yeah, your thoughts? So, so power. I mean, we could have gone for like hours and hours and hours and hours because there's so many domino effects to one event. And, um, and if you trace everything all the way back to the beginning, um, there's more than one act of forgiveness. And that's what I really, um, was struck by with Kevin's conversation is he, he, talked about his mom and his relationship with his mom and he, and the impact on his relationship with his family. And, and, uh, it was through no fault of his own and yet he still had to deal with it. And I think forgiveness is like a a hidden uh, infection or something inside of us that if we don't deal with it, it can actually take us out. And, uh, it was, it was crazy. Um, and then I thought about me and you thought about our story, thought about, uh, uh, people that we've served and um, been shepherds for thought about our kids and our mm-hmm. grandkids and the impact on our own internal world on other people and how it rolls out like a ripple effect on others and um, just know that that it's so important for every person to really take uh, heed to what the word of God talks about with forgiveness because w- if we don't there, it doesn't just hurt us it hurts other people too mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's it's such a foundational part of the Christian faith, Christian walk, is forgiveness. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus talks about forgive, you know, as we, you know, gives us example of how to pray. Yeah. Father, forgive. Well, I'm yeah. like getting all my well, you're, stuff. Well, he does he talk says about that, it. Father, forgive them for they know what, they don't know what they're doing when he's on the cross. Yeah. Then also as he teaches us how to pray, it's like forgive, forgive us, us as we as forgive, we forgive the, those who yeah. sin against us. Yeah, and and it, you, what you did there uh, was actually true because it's a mishmash over everything of Scripture yeah. and everything that Jesus talked about. That um, where where don't you forgive? And um, you got to forgive at every stage of your life. It's not like, well, I forgave in my twenties, so I don't need to forgive you again. No, <laughs> you have plenty of opportunities later on in life too. Yeah, the Scripture says seventy times seventy or seven yeah. times seventy, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, seventy times seven, yeah, and it's when it when it comes to the the journey of faith. I don't think the actual number is the thing. Jesus essentially was saying, "You got to keep doing it. Got to keep doing it. Got to keep doing it." A lot of opportunities. So I I think forgiveness and maybe unforgiveness is a really more subtle thing. Mm -hmm. And I. Feel like I've got a little more experience in <laughs> harboring issues than I care to admit, maybe. But uh, you know, as we look back in our history, mm-hmm. I remember there was a time that I felt like I was 
frustrated all the time, a little bit angry, a little undertone. And I'm like, oh, why am I frustrated all the time? And Mm. just uh, realized I read the book Anger Trap and realized, wow, you can't be angry and happy at the same time. And then frustration is anger Mm. just because you're not throwing pots and pans across the kitchen doesn't mean you're not dealing with anger. It can be more subtle. Mm. And the Bible talks about how anger can give a foothold to the enemy and just having a little bit of anger. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I think, I think actually in this, this podcast, I might be end up interviewing you a little bit more than typically you interview me in our conversation. Um, when you look at your life and you think about the the journey you and I have been on. So we've already talked about in previous podcasts about our stories and stops and especially my career, but it's us and you have an internal world along the way and conversations in your own head that I was not aware of, things that were going on. You, it was like a silent thing on the inside of you. What brought you to that place where you're like, I got to deal with this? Well, I remember you had finished your dissertation. We talked about that. There's a lot of education opportunities that you had taken on throughout our marriage. And you were working on your dissertation. It took about eight years. And you were just about done or had finished. And I I wasn't excited. I was kind of like mad. And I'm like, why do I feel angry? And remember you took um, July off, I think, that one summer. And we were out for a bike ride. And... uh, I started crying and you're like, what is wrong? Like we're actually stopping and spending time together and now you're upset. Like I'm finally done with all my homework. And I remember looking at you on that bike ride with tears coming down my face. We stopped and I'm like, I'm wounded and I can't heal myself. Mm. And you're like, what? And I'm like, I, I don't get it. I'm like doing everything I'm supposed to do. I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying. I love the Lord. I can't feel him. And I feel wounded by you maybe, and I can't heal myself. And so we finished up that bike ride and you're like, wow, I'm taking four weeks off and I'm, this is how we're starting. <laughs> and I go home and, you know, what do I do? I call my twin sister and I just start talking to her about it. And she tells me about a book from Linda Dillow, what, what's called, it's called, What's It Like to Be Married to Me? Mm. And I'm like, Okay. So I, she was actually quoting something out of that book. She wasn't even recommending it, but I'm Mm. like, you know what? I'm going to order that book. So I ordered the book. What's it like to be married to me? And it's like, I don't know if it's six or nine dangerous questions a woman's supposed to ask herself. And one of the questions in the book was, why do I want to stay mad at him? Mm. And when I read that, I went, do I, do I want to stay mad at him? I think I might. And then as I read further in that chapter, it talked about unforgiveness. And I wouldn't have considered myself an unforgiving person. I didn't think that I dealt with unforgiveness, but I knew I had, you know, some hurt and frustration with you. And I felt a little bit of distance from God. And I'm like, what is going on here? Mm. So after I finished reading that book, I was like, I, I think I don't know how to forgive. Like, I don't know what this looks like. I didn't even know I had a forgiveness issue. And so I was at the house and I saw a book, uh, Total Forgiveness, on the bookshelf. And uh, I'm like, I think that's the book that I'm supposed to read. Mm-hmm. And so I got it here with me. I'm going to grab it. Mm-hmm. But uh, this book, it's a little tattered still. But when I opened up the book and I started reading, in the introduction, it had this scripture. It said, Proverbs 26, 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend. 
And I'm like, wow, this is a confirmation that I need to read this. Mm. And so I went through the book, read the book and realized, wow, I've got a lot of things to forgive. So kind of worked through a process where we learn to forgive. I learned to forgive you. And, and just realizing that unforgiveness affects our relationship with God. It affects our anointing as mm. ministers, as people who are trying to lead others. If we've got forgiveness or unforgiveness issues in our heart, it affects everything. Mm. And there's a scripture in Hebrews that talks about, I think you kind of referred to it at the beginning, like where there's a bitterness. Mm. If unforgiveness, it's like bitterness, like a root that springs up and it defiles many. And I think in my own life, I didn't even realize that I had this bitter root that was like springing up. And if I didn't deal with it, it was going to defile and destroy many. So you started reading that book as a way to try to go, how do I get there? You read the book, you listened to the book, um, you processed it. Did you talk through that with anybody or was it just all kind of in your own personal world? It was mostly between me and the Lord and realizing like when I realized why to forgive, Mm. you know, because he tells us to, scripture's full of, you know, telling us to forgive. We're supposed to forgive others. And if we don't forgive others, God doesn't forgive us. And mm. I didn't realize how this, how the enemy just comes in and deceives and tries to sneak in like high expectations or unrealistic expectations, disappointments, mm. and all these different areas that can lead to unforgiveness and how subtle it is and how the enemy tries to get us off track with offenses. Yeah. So I'm so glad um, looking back that you were willing to take on the challenge of your own internal world and it involved me. So we had conversations and, and, uh, there's a process to that, which we can talk about in a little bit. Um, but in that internal world, one thing after another kind of helped you. Um, what I hear you saying is you hit moments of stress or frustration maybe revelation where the Holy Spirit was actually bringing it to mind. Why do I want to be mad at them? And those kind of things. But then you had work to do. You had to go back and think about um, other parts of your story. And for all of us, when we're dealing with one issue like forgiveness and unforgiveness, unforgiveness is an interesting word, isn't it? Mm -hmm. What is unforgiveness? It just means you're not forgiving. (laughs) It means you're holding on to anger or holding on to pain or whatever it is, bitterness. Um, And uh, we'd rather say unforgiveness rather than say, I'm angry or I'm bitter or whatever. But what we discover is when we go into it, it maybe the initial conversation, the relationship that we're frustrated with or a person but it's probably connected to other things earlier earlier on in our stories or the way we were taught to handle um, offense and to be offended. And, um, and, and when I say we're taught, I mean um, the way we interpreted our parents' um, way of leading us it may not even been the way they actually thought they were leading us. It's the way we interpreted it as children or life experiences or a good friend that betrayed us or whatever it may be. So when you were going on that journey um, and you began to kind of peel the layers of the onion off, what did you discover inside that you also needed to address? And it probably wasn't just a big topic like forgive Nate. It was also other things in your internal world. I think I had to deal with disappointment. Mm. 
because I had a lot of unrealistic expectations of how things should go. And if things didn't go the way I thought, somehow I could blame you or be frustrated with God. And, Mm. you know, scripture tells us like we're not supposed to be offended Mm. even at God. Mm. And so realizing that you're not just the author of my story that God is, and I need Mm. to submit to him Mm. and not put expectations on you Mm. that God didn't mean for you to carry. Yeah. I think for me too, after I read that book, I remember, you know, you got to keep forgiving. So forgiveness isn't just one thing. I'm, it is interesting that it's in the Lord's prayer because it's like Jesus teaching us how to pray. Like we got to bring this up every day. We got to think yeah, about this good. regularly. And I remember we were on a trip and I'm like, I'm feeling good. Like I've conquered this. Like I've, I'm walking in forgiveness. I feel God's presence. And you did something that made me mad. And I was sitting there and I was like, I want to feel God's presence. I want to feel God's presence. I forgive. Mm. And just realizing that contending for God's presence and contending for God's forgiveness means I have to keep forgiving, Mm. not just one time, but it's over and over and over Mm. again. And I think that was, you know, something that I've learned. And Mm. then dealing with the disappointments and the expectations, like sometimes we think life should turn out a certain way. And when things don't always work out, just realizing that it's a chapter or page mm. in our story. It's not the whole story. Mm-hmm. And you think about Joseph, where mm-hmm. he had to forgive his brothers, yeah. but he also had to go through some reform himself yeah. and uh, facing them. And, you know, what the enemy means for evil, God's turning it around for the good. Yeah. Talk about that disappointment part, because um, I think that was a pretty profound thing you would talk about with me as you were processing that um, the gap between where you wish things were and where they were, that gap is the place where your your anger would come up or your disappointment would turn into potential unforgiveness. So where did that start in your life? I mean, was it like that for you where you had high expectations of yourself, high expectations of others, and if it didn't meet that, then it was a loss or a, what? Yeah, I probably feeling like I was disappointing God. Like maybe I was doing something wrong mm. because God wasn't using me in the way I thought he was going mm. to. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't realize all the time that there's a journey, that there's a story, there's a greater story that God's writing mm-hmm. on this earth and in my life and in my family's life. Mm-hmm. And so being able to look at situations and going, you know, God's, I don't know how this is going to work out. But God's going to turn this around for the good because yeah. scripture promises us that. Yeah. And so I remember Susie Larson, friend, um, had just said to me one time, Jody, you need to deal with your disappointments about your kids with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the areas that I'm like, you know, we think we can write our kids story, too, and we can't. Mm-hmm. And realizing that, you know, there's a greater opportunity to pray, to Mm -hmm. trust God, to give the family to God and go, you know what? It's not going to be the way I think it is going to be. And that's Mm -hmm. okay. And ultimately I have to submit to the Lord. Mm -hmm. So I think some of the disappointments and high expectations is really a kind of a subtle way to not submit to God Mm -hmm. and go, I think it Mm -hmm. needs to be this way. And Mm -hmm. God's like, no, we're working out some things in your heart Mm -hmm. and we're going to work out some situations in your family. Mm And uh, get a look at the greater story. I think about, again, back to Joseph. I wonder how many times he was disappointed going, you know, I had dreams and plans and I'm in prison and mm-hmm. I'm getting overlooked and forgotten and mm-hmm. in God's writing a greater story. I always like to say uh, sometimes your dreams, like Joseph, 
look like a nightmare for a while. Mm. And then God turns it for the good. And if you don't, it turns to bitterness. Turns to bitterness. And in Hebrews, it says it defiles many. Mm. So a bitter root that comes in our heart doesn't just wreck our lives. It wrecks mm-hmm. the people around us, our churches, our families, mm-hmm. our, you know, you name it, our job situations, mm-hmm. allowing bitter roots. So yeah, yeah it's so, super important. So, yeah, I mean, you just explored a whole realm of topics, everything from parents to their kids, um, which could apply to bosses with their employees or, you know, um, can go down that path. But you can also go down that path of the internal world of what unforgiveness reveals about yourself. And if there's pride there, um, if there's other things inside that God wants to deal with, if you don't, those things will grow. And, uh, you know, I've heard people say that um, healthy things grow, but unhealthy things grow as well. Mm-hmm. And especially when they're left in the dark and we don't let the light shine in. If we have one part of our life that's serving the Lord and doing all kinds of great things, but we have another hidden part of our life that we don't let God's uh, light shine on our, our heart, that darkness can overtake the light, it can overtake the good. And, um, and we want God to... Want us light to shine through all of us. So when you when you think about leading uh, a family, now um, you're pastoring in a church. You uh, lead many things that are at Emmanuel. That's one area. But parenting was your earlier leadership role. Mm-hmm. I mean, your primary leadership role was with the kids. And we've talked about how you made a courageous decision to listen to the Lord and and uh, you stepped away from full time employment. Um, early on, right before David was born, that was a big shift for you where you you had something and you lost it. And sometimes when we are in that um, and we get in and we follow God and we take care of kids, we can have a hidden resentment towards our kids for robbing us of what we could have done. And I just want to champion that you did such a fantastic job of loving our kids through um, many years where you were not in the spotlight, not on the platform, not, I was getting all the pats on the back in my career. And I think that God saw you. Um, but you're no different than any other parent or me where, um, we had dreams for our kids and kids are going to have their own journey. We don't own our kids. Mm-hmm. We're not. It's fun having kids until you realize they have a free will. <laughs> Yes. And if you try to control it, what happens? It gets worse. It does get worse. And yet um, they still need discipline and they need love and care. I remember talking to our sons as we grew up, and I think it's a little bit different on on leading uh, sons than it is daughters and how a father can work with them. But, you know, I, I felt like my job was not to be their best friend. My job was to be their father and to to love them. And uh, sometimes they didn't like my discipline. They despised the discipline and they went their own way. And uh, many of us do. You and I, some people do it outwardly. They do it by being openly rebellious and other people do it in the hidden places of their heart. Mm -hmm. On the outside, they look good and compliant and all of that. But on the inside, there's another story going on. And each of our four sons had their own version of that. and I remember uh, there's a few times when our sons did some things outside of the house that we we would not be happy with, nor would the Lord be happy with, and they were growing. And I would say to you, um, I because we, we had to discipline at that point, 
I'd rather it happen while they're in the home because we're in their world at this point uh, than when they leave. And so we had to play the long game. That's another long game conversation with our children. Um, but that dream aspect of what I wish our kids were or wish they would be like and where they are, if we're trying to have them measure up to our dream, I think our kids feel like we're disappointed with them. So like you were saying, you, why do I want to be angry at you? You were angry at me as your husband. And there are lots of great reasons for that. But I think we could also have anger, hidden anger towards our children if they don't measure up to what we wish they were. And um, that can be dangerous. Yeah. I think so, um, sometimes it's because we feel like it's a reflection of us. Mm. So there's a little bit of hidden pride in there mm-hmm. where it's like, Kids, we feel like they can be an extension of us, and mm. that's really not mm-hmm. scriptural. No, I don't think so. No, and I've got to be willing to let them hurt my reputation because I love them more than I love my reputation. Mm-hmm. I and uh, you know a lot of of the experience of PKs, pastors, kids, um, is such that they're in the spotlight all the time, or they live in a glass world where they're noticed more than other kids in the church because they're the pastor's kid and that puts more pressure on them. And they, um, they really, a lot of PKs really struggle with, um, who am I? And I just want to be me, not pastor Nate's son or, mm-hmm. um, and our kids did great with that. They've loved me through it, but they had some challenges related to the pressures they felt from, um, being PKs at a, at a church, Um, And I think when we look at the internal world of our pride, like you were talking about, related to anger and forgiveness, one of the things we have to do is we have to let go of this idea that what other people do can can destroy who I am. And if it hurts my my reputation or hurts my pride and um, as leaders, we got to remember how. God the Father handled things mm-hmm. with Jesus. And Jesus, um, here he's being mistreated. If I'm God the Father, I would have wanted to squash all of humanity at that point. But he allowed his son to go through um, that process of rejection and the cross and death and uh, because he loved the world so much. And if we love people, we love our kids, we're going to have to learn to uh, not hold on to the pride. Yep. I had wrote that on my computer for a while. I just put a little sign like, let it go. <laughs> let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Yeah. Yeah. Let go and pray. And yeah. I would say with the kids, like I had unrealistic expectations of them. Mm. And so there was two particularly where it was Easter. Mm. And I like to give them little Easter baskets, you know, kind of gift or you know, after a while, I got tired of buying them sugar, so I give them a little bit of money. Uh-huh. Um, but I really felt like the Lord put it in my heart to write a card to a couple of them and apologize mm. for my high expectations. Mm-hmm. And they thanked me later. Mm. So it's just, you know, as parents, you know, we can look and go, our kids disappointed us. And, you know, we can cause a little bit of hurt to them, too, yeah. you know. Yeah. And just being able to own our part, yeah. uh, been listening to some books from Rob Reamer, and he talks about when we're looking at forgiveness and things that we have to own 100% of our 20%. So if 
we're, you know, we've got a situation where it's 80% someone else's fault and 20% of our fault. We have to own 100% of our 20%. Mm. And so looking at our kids and being able to go, you know what, they made some mistakes, but I did too. Mm. And I need to own my 100% of my 20%. Yeah. You know, and I, I think that goes into business, into church. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think about as ministers or lay leaders, yeah. people are going to disappoint. Yeah. People who we pour time into and resources and have them over to our house, all of a sudden they disappear. Yeah. And then you see them on Facebook and they're liking their next place better and they don't return your text messages or whatever yeah. and just going, you know what? I got to let them go mm-hmm. and I got to forgive and... Yeah. 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 It's a, it's a daily thing to learn to forgive. And the quicker you are at it, the better things go for you. If you don't, you're holding on to unforgiveness. And so, yeah. Just maybe step back and talk about a fence. Like Mm -hmm. what is the difference between like a fence you know, I mean, we think about forgiveness. We've got big things that we have mm. to forgive, but how do we guard our heart or how do we help others guard their heart from offense? Yeah, I think the biggest thing with offense has to do with security versus insecurity. A secure person can handle rejection because they're secure. They don't need other people's approval. They don't need everybody to be on board. They're just going to love because they love love without a hook, if mm-hmm. you will. But an insecurity says, I need something else to make me feel complete. I need something else to make me feel like I'm good enough, um, whatever it may be. And so dealing with that insecurity and moving towards security is a big deal and finding our security in God and who he says I am and that alone. Um, And then I can handle somebody who misunderstands me, um, doesn't like me um, in my own life. Um, I don't want to hurt people and I don't want anybody to be mis- misunderstand me. Mm-hmm. And so um, my danger zone is if somebody I feel is disappointed in me, man, that just hits me really hard. So I've had to learn in my own internal world with the Lord. I've gone to counseling and other things in my own book reading and prayer times. But I'm on a journey of just saying, Lord, no matter if they love me or reject me, understand me or misunderstand me, I'm okay. And if not, then it opens the door and you open a door to a fence. So something someone says to me can hurt me, wound me. I can become offended. Um, It says that... um, that what they have is they have ownership in something inside of my life. And until they change, I'm not going to be okay. And then it puts all of the weight of turnaround and change on someone else. Mm-hmm. And then you become a victim. And uh, a victim is always pointing the finger at everybody else but themselves. And like you were talking about, own 100% of your 20%. Um, I think owning 100% of your 20% means... I'm going to go all the way there, even if somebody else doesn't change, Mm -hmm. even if they don't. And just choosing to not take offense means choosing to say, okay, Lord, I'm putting that in your hands. When um, you reference Jesus' prayer, um, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing uh, when he was on the cross. Um, 
Jesus had every reason in the world to be offended. Mm-hmm. Every reason. He did nothing wrong. He never sinned. And yet he turns his, maybe he had the opportunity to be offended at that moment, but he turned it over immediately to his father. And he found his identity in his father. That's where his security was. So when security is in the father and you're able to turn it back to the father, then it's his problem, not your problem at that point. If you don't turn it over, it's your problem. I uh, liked on the last episode when Kevin Ransby said, if we get triggered by things, we still have a little bit of work to do. So I'm like, it's interesting because we can look at all of our different areas in our life. So I can say, hey, Nate, I'm feeling pretty good about us. I'm walking in a place of being unoffendable most of the time. (laughs) And then if I get triggered, I'm like, okay, Lord, I got some work to do. Uh But then even other people in our family, like people, I don't think people always are trying to like offend us or hurt us or Mm -hmm. be mean or whatever. And so going, when we get triggered, we can know that that's another person we get to do some work with, not having to confront them and say, you hurt me. I don't know that we have to always do that. I think it's living with an unoffendable heart makes a lot less work on the forgiveness side. Yeah, You know, if we can guard our heart, like scripture says, and live unoffendable, that would be super helpful. Yeah, if we recognize what's going on inside, instead of it being a trigger to the negative, it's an opportunity to deal with your own heart and turn it open to the Lord. And I, I, uh, I think we have lots of opportunities to do that all the time. And they surprise you sometimes, or, um, like you were talking about, you know, if you're, you've invested your life in somebody or time in them and they ghost you, or you see it on social media and they're now loving some other pastor or other churches or whatever, instead of that being, um, Oh man, let's let let's ruminate on that. Let's think about that all day long. What if we go, Lord, that's your problem. I yeah. can't I can't handle this. I'm gonna turn it over to you. I wanna love that person. And our assignment is done. Yeah. Like yeah. whatever God needed to do in their lives yeah. in in our ministry, yeah. so to speak, is done. Yeah. And we like to talk about whatever strengthens the ability to care for those those under your leadership in this mm-hmm. podcast. So that would apply to parents, that would apply to church leadership, staff or volunteer, that would apply in the, the um, career world, that you, whatever career uh, a person may have in, in business or in education or in the world outside of, of the church itself, wherever you ha- have employment. In that world, you're, you're in a place where you have to live this way mm-hmm. and learn to forgive the boss that doesn't treat you right. And what about the person who's underneath your managerial responsibility? What if they're taking advantage of you or they're talking behind your back? Or uh, how do you handle it when um, when they're not supporting your, your declaration of, as a leader? Those are moments where you can choose whether or not to be offended. Yeah. And because if you're going to really care for those people, you can't be angry at them. Right. If you're angry with them, you can't help them. Now, um, you can be angry and not sin, Jesus said. So it can be a quick moment of anger, of emotion and frustration. 
But if you misuse that moment, um, you actually can wound those people. And now you've created another offense in them. Mm -hmm. They're mad at you. And it's cyclical and it goes over and over and over. If you're learning to quickly forgive those over you and those under you in leadership, then you don't, you essentially cut the cycle. You don't let it continue. And uh, if you don't and you remain in unforgiveness, then all of a sudden it goes on and on and on and on. And you have to be willing to admit, I did something wrong. Mm -hmm. I might have hurt somebody and didn't, whether it was intentional or unintentional, they're hurt. And uh, we've had moments in, in our leadership journey where people have said, hey, you said this or you did this, Pastor Nate, and that hurt me. Mm-hmm. And I don't find out about it till years later. And they come to me, well, I can't get defensive. Now, I might mm-hmm. think, I didn't do that. I didn't say that. What do you mean? And if I get defensive, then I'm not opening the bridge up for somebody else to go on their journey of forgiveness. So I also have a responsibility when somebody else is going through a journey of forgiveness to pause and let them go through it without being defensive. Yeah, that's a, another great point because as people are in leadership, they're going to offend people all the time. Yeah. And so being on the recipient end of stuff, whether it's warranted or not warranted mm-hmm. in handling that and yeah. loving people and yeah. being graceful and yeah. being owning up to our part. Yeah. Yeah, and there's some things that come with the uniform that you wear, whatever job you have. For me, it's as a lead pastor. And that means that um, people might be frustrated with the church and the uniform. Um, But if my security is in the Lord, it's not my responsibility as Nate to fix every problem or to defend my reputation. I just need to be one who trusts the Lord with all my heart and lean not on my own understanding. For sure, um, leaders are going to do things that offend people, but I've also heard sometimes you can do everything right and still offend people. True. That's true. And we're all human beings, and I think this is something we have to acknowledge, that as human beings, we're saved, those of us that have given our lives to Jesus, and he saved us, and our eternity is secure in him. Mm -hmm. Um, We still have to deal with sin in this life. We still have to repent of our sin. We still have to turn from our sin. We still have to chase righteousness, but as our sinful nature is present tense, that means that our sinful nature will get offended. <laughs> we'll make mistakes and we have to say, I'm sorry. And we have to and to the Lord and to people. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that means there is no perfect scenario. There's no perfect church. There's no perfect family. There's no church, perfect organization. So as people, we also have to, we want the grace of, from God for us. Mm-hmm. We also need to extend grace to others. Wow. So many good insights. This is forgiveness and unforgiveness both ways, but yes. walking in forgiveness is really impactful. Yeah. For leadership. Hey, as uh, one more thing I w- I'm thinking of is in our relationship. So going back to the, the beginning when mm-hmm. you were talking about you, why do I want to be mad at him or angry with him? Um, how did you work through that particular one with me? Yep. Well, I realized that my wanting to be angry was unforgiveness, but I also was using it as self-protectionism mm. because I didn't want you to get busy and distracted again. I mean, most mostly it was like 
you're very busy with church and with your education. And I always felt a little bit like, you know, hey, don't forget about me. I'm over mm-hmm. here. So I'm like, if I stay a little bit mad, then I can protect myself and maybe it will send the message to him. Don't do that to her again. Mm. And so, you know, again, like realizing that my holding that anger and unforgiveness was affecting my joy, my happiness, mm-hmm. my walk with the Lord and going, I can let you off the hook. So God lets me off the hook mm-hmm. and I can have that relationship with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And really, I mean, I started feeling God's presence. Like I said at the beginning where I'm like, Nate, I'm doing everything right. I'm praying, I'm reading my Bible. I'm, you know, loving God and I can't feel his presence. I don't get it. And that was one of the obstacles for me to really feel God's presence because if I can't forgive, he's not forgiving me and that's going to put a wedge between God and I. And so just really leaning in on that and going, wow, I can't hold unforgiveness. And then I realized as I as I walked in forgiveness and didn't get offended, it gets it's way more fun to be around you, you know, because yeah. I'm like, I got to let go of the expectations and let you be human yeah. and not yeah. be so critical. It's yeah. the other thing that the I feel like the Holy Spirit's delivering me mm. from perfectionism and criticalness. I didn't realize that that was not a blessing mm. from the Lord. It's mm. a curse. And so if I can forgive myself, if I can forgive you, if I can forgive others, mm-hmm. life is just way better. And you are more fun to be around for me too as a result. Like, I don't feel like I'm on pins and needles all the time or you're always mad at me or anything like that. It's fun. I want to be around you. And maybe you're not as busy now because I'm more fun to be around. Wow. Yeah. Comes around, goes around a little bit. There you go. Um, And then I also had to, when you were dealing with this, you wrote me a letter. Yep. And in that letter, you talked about how you felt. And then I had to read that letter um, when you weren't around. So I couldn't get defensive. I had to actually process it and, and I needed to own my own part. So in our marriage relationship, I, I had a responsibility then too. And that letter, it was positive. It's just, you know, letting you know that I love you, that I married you because I wanted you. I wanted to spend time with you. It wasn't all about the accomplishments or the things that you did. It was more about spending time with you. And when you're really busy, you didn't, felt like you didn't notice me or see mm. me, but I was really wanting you. Yeah. So you received it and it was hard to write, but yeah. I, I was encouraged to write the letter to you. And uh, one of the things that was nice about writing a letter and keeping it positive was there's no words that I had to take back later. Mm. Like I could really take some time to really pray and think through and like really weigh every word. Mm. And uh, yeah, we're going to be judged for or idle words, right? And mm. so being able to make sure every word that I said was what I meant. Yeah. Well, you did so well, and it's made such a difference in our relationship, and I'm grateful. All right. So as we wrap up this episode, is there any advice that you have for young leaders? Maybe they're walking in a point where they're like, wow, I've, I've been frustrated. I didn't know it was anger. I didn't know maybe I had a little unforgiveness. What advice do you have for the young leader? Well, first of all, you're normal. Um, you got to say, hey. secondly, get your security in the Lord. So you remember you're safe in his hands, even the worst version of yourself. If you talk to the Lord about it, and then you can go on a journey of chasing resource. Like you talked about, um, total forgiveness was a book you had read, or there's other resources that are out there. 
Um, and go on a journey because it won't be all at once. Mm-hmm. It's going to be over and over. Study the scripture every time you see something about forgiveness in the word. Read that. Memorize it. Think about it. And then recognize that um, there are reasons why you think the way you think. Um, and uh, maybe uh, the Holy Spirit is in your soul and you're saved, but grandpa's still in your bones and your DNA. And there are family of origin mm-hmm. aspects of this and things we pick up from our families. Some of them are good and some of them need to be reformed and changed. And so recognizing the patterns of thinking, Romans 12 talks about uh, being transformed by changing the way you think. So the thinking part of this is a really big deal. It's what's going on between your ears when nobody else hears it, but it's going on in your own head. Don't let that be only you. Turn that over to the Lord. And the more you turn it over to the Lord, the more you pray for those that hurt you, the pray for those that um, you're angry with, pray for those that you just don't know why, but there's frustration inside of you or offense inside of you. Don't leave that in the darkness of your soul. Let the light shine in and just let the Lord know. Confess it. And if you confess it and then you pray for those people, just as Jesus did, and even in the Lord's Prayer, um, uh, as you referenced, do it every day mm-hmm. and and just pray, Lord, help me. Help me learn to do this, even if it doesn't feel natural and it doesn't feel like you know how to do it or you don't feel it. Do it by obedience. And when you're obedient with your prayer and with your heart, then God will change your heart. And that's the best route to go. And then there's others. You can chase down good mentors that have forgiven others and you want their attitude, you want their heart, chase them down and ask ask them their story. And maybe if you have enough relationship with them, share your own journey and get wisdom from spiritual leaders that can help you. And you can do this, whether it be in marriage or in parenting or in leadership, you can do this. Don't stay a victim. Forever the victim? I don't think so. It was an old T.D. Jakes message, I remember. And we don't need to be the victim any longer. Well, thank you for joining the Shepherd Hearted Leader podcast today. If you enjoyed this episode, we encourage you to share it with others. As always, we'd love you to follow and subscribe. And we always like hearing from you. Until next time, keep leading well.